Welcome to This Is Your Life with Michael Hyatt, where our goal is to help you win at work and succeed at life. My name is Michelle Cushat, and I'm in the studio today with Michael Hyatt. Hey there, Michael. Hey, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Good. Doing great. So I have a secret. Okay. Confession, maybe. I don't know. All right. Um, Tell me, my child. <laughs> I've often told people that I have like a whole committee of people living in my head. I, I have that same committee. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy and making. If they were happy and positive and telling me how beautiful and talented I was, it would be okay. But that's not what they but tell But that's me. not what they say. They're critics and they're whiners yeah. and they're naysayers. And I find myself constantly battling this internal narrative in my mind. It really impacts how I live my life. It have does. you ever run into that? Totally. Um, I think one of the most vivid examples of that was when I was 29 years old, I became the vice president of marketing at Thomas Nelson. I was the youngest vice president they'd ever had. And while that may sound thrilling, may sound exciting, to me it was terrifying. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, because I was very conscious of my age and I, I would walk into meetings scared to death. Mm -hmm. And I had this issue where my hands would sweat profusely and my underarms would sweat profusely. It's like TMI. And thank you for that. <laughs> but and sometimes so much so that I would wear two t-shirts into meetings, hoping that I wouldn't sweat through both of them mm -hmm. and give myself away that I was scared to death. My hands would be so cold that before I would walk into a meeting, I would go into the bathroom and wash my hands under hot water vigorously, trying to get the blood to just circulate. To warm up. Just again, so I didn't give myself away. But I was so self-conscious. And what this voice was saying in my head was, you are way too young to hold a job like this. You're totally out of your league. Um, you're, you're way over your head. It's only a matter of time before they figure out you don't know what you're doing and they're gonna boot you out. Okay, so that's a lot of pressure to live under and how interesting that it's all in, it's all voices that yeah. you're generating. What happened? Well, I ultimately um, learned, became aware that that was a narrator and that narrator wasn't me. Mm. You know, it was a voice that was going on. It sounded like me. It talked to me in my own very own voice. Uh, but it really wasn't me. And it wasn't at least the best side of me. Okay. And so we'll get into it. But once once I realized that, then, then I could suddenly make some changes. Because I, I really think that the stories that we're telling about mm -hmm. what's happened to us shapes our life. Mm -hmm. So there's what happens to us. And in this case, I got promoted to a big job at a very early age. That's what happened to me. What I began to tell myself about it was a choice that I didn't know I had, but ended up, could have ended up very badly mm -hmm. if I'd continued down that path. But we have a choice over the stories we tell to ourselves. And those stories can be liberating and empowering, mm -hmm. or they can be very disempowering and cannot serve us. And so we've got to get alert to those stories because as the story goes, so goes our life. And it could be anything. You know, um, our mutual friend, Dan Miller, uh -huh. tells a story about growing up in an Amish home in Ohio. And he tells the story, it's very interesting. He tells the story one way. I don't know, have you ever heard him do this? No, I haven't. Okay, so he tells the story. He says, you know, I was raised in a very deprived household. We had no TV, um, no games to speak of, nothing that we could play. We just had a really deprived, miserable life. And then he stops and he says, or, I lived in this wonderful family on this big farm. And he said there was- I mean, just that changes it. I just that one it. sentence. He says, we, you know, we always had plenty to do. Uh -huh. 
you know, my best favorite times were being with my family and being with my extended family. And that's where I really first learned to love to read because there wasn't mm -hmm. that much else to do. And I got opened, uh, opened myself up to the whole world of books and literature. And so that's a very different outcome. Now, mm -hmm. the experience he had didn't change. The only thing that changed was his narrative about the experience. And he proves the point, and I think it's very uh, valid and very vivid, is that he couldn't change the family to whom he was born, and he couldn't change the circumstances of his mm -hmm. upbringing, mm -hmm. but what he could do is choose the narrative he was gonna tell about that. And so we see people all the time that go through life who have hard things, maybe difficult things, yes. who unfortunately add insult to injury by compounding it with a very disempowering narrative about what what happened. And it's natural. I mean, it's not like we want to blame people or make people wrong for this. It's just natural uh, to to um, tell it in a way that doesn't really serve us. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we're, when we're talking about telling a different narrative, that we're talking about lying to ourselves. We're just talking about we're going to choose what we're going to focus on. That's the difference. Because we have, as human beings, we have that choice. We can choose what parts of the story we want to emphasize and we can either get more miserable by doing that or we can choose the parts of the story that are more empowering and become more free and it can actually serve us in helping to serve other people. This concept uh, really applies to multiple different types of situations. I recently heard um, Dr. Brene Brown talking about mm. how in her marriage with her husband there was a day, I, and I don't even remember the details, but they had a conflict or a disagreement, but the narrative she started telling herself yes. about her husband um, ended up impacting how she felt about him and interacted with him. And I thought how powerful that was that we can choose how we even interpret the characters in our story, yes. the different people in our life. Well, and I, I remember that same story. She tells it in Rising Strong, and I'm listening to her reading the book um, okay, I think on maybe audiobook. That was it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it is a powerful story because you can choose which parts of it you know to focus on. Mm -hmm. You know, what he didn't say, what he should have said, uh, what he said with the wrong inflection in his voice. But all of that, packaging that story and moving that story towards uh, a conclusion that wouldn't have been good for their marriage. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, they were able to stop that mm -hmm. and stop that conflict and be generous toward one another, give one another the benefit of the doubt, and look at that story through the lens of the other person. All right, so to begin, let's just acknowledge that the applications of this are broad and big yes. and powerful. Career, so marriage, health. Anything. Parenting, yep. dreams, I mean, so many different things. So we're going to learn today how to change our narrative. We can take control of that. We can make the changes. And so we're going to deliver different ways to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, so Michael, what's the first way? Well, I think the first step is, or the first way is really to recognize that there's a voice in your head. Okay. Uh, I call or multiple in, voices. As or multiple <laughs> voices. But let's just assume for a moment that it's one voice yeah. and it's telling you a story. And I call that person the narrator. Okay. Okay. It's the person that's constantly sitting inside of your head who's narrating the events of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, that person may say something like, oh, I don't feel so well today. Or why did she look at me in that way? Mm -hmm. I wonder, is she mad at me? You know, so it's just like this little voice that's constantly talking in our head. And it sounds like our voice. And so we think it's just us. You know, but I'm not so sure it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's certainly not the best part of us. But I think the first step in recovery, so to speak, or in changing the story, is to recognize that there's a narrator, and that narrator doesn't always get it right. Mm -hmm. In fact, usually without help and instruction, the narrator gets it wrong. Because if your narrator is like my narrator, I always go to the worst case scenario, yep. 
I always I blame like, myself. Or you know, I react to emotions. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's very undependable. Well, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you think, oh, gosh, they, they gave me that glance and, uh, you know, what are they thinking? They're angry with me. Well, the truth is they're probably not thinking about you at all. <laughs> you know, I know, shocking. Uh, one of my daughters says, nobody thinks about you more than you think about you. Uh, it's oh, true, right? It's so true. And, and people have their own lives, their own struggles and all that, but we can make up a narrative about it and it can feed all the other issues that we're going to talk about. So start by recognizing that that voice in your head. Just knowing it's there. Is there. Yeah. Just acknowledge, okay, what do you do next? What's the next way? The second one is I would literally jot down what the voice is saying. Now, isn't that dangerous to actually write down, you know, if it's a negative message, yeah. a powerful, is it, is it dangerous to actually put it pen no, to paper? No, I don't think so. I think okay. it defangs it. Because when you see it in written form, you see how silly it is. Because it looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. So it seems so credible in your head, but when you write it down, you see it for what yeah, it is. Yeah, so the power begins to uh, evaporate okay. at that point. So, for example, and one of the things I did when I was um, in this situation as a vice president of Thomas Nelson at 29 years old, I literally wrote down what the voice was saying. And the voice was saying, you're too young. You don't have enough experience. It's only a matter of time before everyone figures that out and you're out on the street without a job. Or something to that effect. Yeah, that's powerful. It's powerful. So you write it down and you go, really? <laughs> I mean, the truth is, yeah, I'm young. Yes, I'm young, but somebody gave you a job. Yeah, somebody gave me the somebody job. Somebody believed you could do it. Exactly. Even if you ended up out of a job, you might as well make the most of it while you're there. That's I mean, right. there's so many ways to then face it once it's written down. Once it's written down, it objectifies it. Mm -hmm. And now it's not this mysterious, elusive, um, thing in your head, mm -hmm. you know, now you're bringing it out of the shadows and you're bringing it into, into the, the light, light yeah. where you can actually see what it is for what it is. And it could be any story. You know, it could be a story of um, somebody who's in a marriage and maybe the marriage isn't what it once was. And now you think your husband or your wife doesn't love you like they did. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're having to work long hours and, and you're creating this story that they no longer find me beautiful or they no longer respect me or whatever it is. But yes. then writing it down, first of all, even if it's true, now you can, object, you can address the real problem. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got it out there. But as long as it's still rattling around in your head, it's really hard to address. It just brings up fear and doubt and uncertainty and all these negative emotions that you can't address directly. You know, I think of when my children were little and they thought a monster was in the closet or underneath their bed. And in the dark, when it's in there, it's huge, it's massive. Yeah. The minute you flip on the light, everything changes. That's right. And, and look under the bed. Yes, yeah, so and look under the bed <laughs> and open the closet door and all of that. Um, so many, I know some of your audience, especially for the moms that I know, the narrative is I'm a bad mom, I have no business working, I, you know, I don't have any right to pursue my dream because I'm doing this or I'm not doing it well and all of that. And sometimes just getting it down on paper uh, helps take the sting out of Where that. you can see it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So recognize a voice in your head, jot down what the voice is saying. Those are the first two ways to change your narrative. What's the third? I think to evaluate whether that story is empowering you. Is that is that story holding you back or is that story releasing you and empowering you to accomplish something more? Mm -hmm. For example, um, I'm an introvert. Okay, a question. Is that an objective truth or is that a story that I've told to myself? Great question. Okay, how would you answer it? What are you saying? Well, I used to think that's how God made me. 
you know, and, and I do think that there's, I do have a preference for fewer, more meaningful relationships. I do have a preference for quieter, less stimulating environments. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I'm an I introvert. I like that because you're identifying it as preferences, but rather than That's living right. under a label or a restriction. Well, and here's what it used to do to me. I, I would say, um, I would avoid, for example, when I would go out speaking, uh -huh. I dreaded having to meet people oh. because I thought, um, I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. So as an introvert, a legitimate introvert, I typically get my energy from um, being alone or from a small mm -hmm. group of people. But could I do something different in the service of what I wanted to accomplish? Because I really wanted to create transformation in the audience. And could I act as if I were an extrovert? Mm -hmm. Well, I think so. So ever since then, when I go out and speak, I always go out into the audience and I meet people and I shake hands and I ask people where they're from and all of that. Is it a little draining? Yes. But it doesn't kill me. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you survive. I survive. It may not be your preference, but you survive. And <sighs> I would imagine you even find some enjoyment from it because it accomplishes your purpose. Yes. And, and the other thing is now all of a sudden I'm standing in front of people who are kind of my friends, mm -hmm. right? I've mm -hmm. met these people. It's not a bunch of strangers. It's a bunch of people I've met. I know Tom who works at the bank and I know, you know, Jill who does something else. And so it's, it, it's more familiar to me and it serves my purpose. So is the story that you're telling yourself empowering or disempowering? And the way that I look at that is if it's holding you back, keeping you from doing something that you really want to do, then that's a story that probably needs to change. Mm -hmm. And as humans, we have the privilege of being able to change that like that. Mm -hmm. And I find it fascinating that each one of these ways of changing our narrative that you're giving to us are built on the other. You know, the first yes. one is to acknowledge that you have a, narr a voice, a narrator in your head. The second, that to jot down what that voice is saying. Well, you can't do that until you acknowledge there is a narrator. And then the third way is to decide if it's empowering or not. Yeah. I don't think you can do that in your head. Right. You have to get it down on paper and look at it to really make a determination about how it's serving you. It's almost like a puzzle. Yes, absolutely. You know, you get it out there, you put all the pieces on the table, you can rearrange them and make something beautiful. Well, we still have two more ways to change your narrative. We'll give those to you in just a moment. Stay with us, we'll be right back. Has this ever happened to you? You write a list of goals with the best of intentions. You're excited and motivated for a couple of weeks and then life gets in the way. You get distracted or discouraged. You stop moving toward what really inspires you. If you want to achieve what matters most, traditional goal setting will only get you so far. You need a proven plan. Soon, I'll be opening enrollment to my course, Five Days to Your Best Year Ever. And in it, I'll show you my proven system to get clear on what you want to accomplish and then get started achieving it. You can't enroll yet, but you can join the waiting list. Just go to bestyearever.me and enter your email address to get updates. To say thanks, I'll send you a free copy of my ebook, How to Use Evernote to Track Your Biggest Goals. This will help you keep your goals organized so they don't get stuffed in a desk drawer and forgotten. If you're tired of making goals but not achieving them, don't miss your chance to discover how to stop drifting and start making meaningful progress in your life. Sign up today at bestyearever.me. 
Today we're talking about how you can change the narrative going on in your head and take control of your story. We've talked about three different ways to make that change. We're gonna dive right into the last two, which really builds on the third one. We talked about how you needed to jot down or evaluate whether the narrative mm -hmm. that you've jotted down is empowering or not. What would be next? Literally write down a different story. You know, is there a different way of understanding what you've gone through that's more empowering. So for example, in the last example I mm -hmm. gave you about thinking I was an introvert, as though that were some rigid fixed thing and became an excuse for why I couldn't do certain things. So now, and you kind of heard it in my language mm -hmm. when I was talking about it a moment ago, I say, yeah, my preference is to be an introvert, but I can be an extrovert when the situation requires it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, and I, I hear this from a lot of introverts, people think they're extroverted because they can be good with people, mm -hmm. you know? Well, I've been told many times that I'm an extrovert and I'm really on the borderline, but I refuel uh, being alone. Yeah. So I'm really, you know, I'm really there in the middle, but it's interesting how um, I can go into that role and even enjoy it to some extent yes. when the situation requires it. Well, and what I, I would suggest is that you write down the story that you now want to be telling yourself. Because mm -hmm. change your story, change your life. So, for example, when I was back as this young vice president, 29 years old, then I wrote down uh, the fact that my youth, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I said, yes, it's true that I'm young, but my youth gives me unbounded energy. Oh, It sure. gives me fresh ideas so that I can be innovative uh -huh. and bring to this company, which by the way was almost 200 years old at that time, some fresh ideas. So instead of seeing what I thought was a liability, I turned that through the written narrative mm -hmm. into an asset. Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely. So another example, uh, I had a friend who was about 58 years old when he got laid off in the recession, this last recession in 2008, 2009. Um, over the course of about two years, he couldn't get reemployed. And so he began to tell himself a story. And he, in fact, he would tell everybody around him this story. And he told us this story and he said, well, I can't get a job because I'm too old. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to hire somebody. And oh, by the way, I have two advanced degrees. And so I'm overqualified. And so nobody will hire me. Now, if you write down that story, it, it kind of sounds ridiculous. You know, I mean, well, it may be true. Part I mean, of he's true. taking things that are so valuable that people will be killed for and calling them something yeah, negative. Yeah, so, so, suddenly turn these assets yeah. through this weird kind of alchemy into a liability. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so he wrote these things down. Or he, he didn't write these things down. I wish, I wish I could advise him to do this then, but I didn't get a chance to do it. But they were very disempowering to him. They were keeping him stuck. And what he should have been doing is to rewrite that narrative and to say to himself, you know what? My age and experience is an asset. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've learned a lot of lessons that this company, whichever lucky company that hires me, won't have to reinvest in some young whippersnapper that doesn't have the age and the experience that I have. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, the fact that I have two advanced degrees, but they're not gonna have to pay for two advanced degrees, gives them an extra bonus that I'm willing just to throw in. Oh, <laughs> you need to coach them in this interview <laughs> process. <laughs> That's so good. So, but it's reframing the story. Absolutely. You I'm know, sure he couldn't sell himself as he went out to interview because he didn't believe the right. potential within him anyway. Well, imagine walking into an interview where you're already convinced that you're too old yeah. and you're overqualified. Now, how are you gonna carry yourself into the interview? 
What is your expectation going to be in the interview? Because if you walk into a, let's call it a selling selling mm -hmm. uh, situation, because whatever else it is, it's a selling situation. Yes. You're trying to sell yourself. But if you already have the expectation that you're not going to make the sale, you know, it's like Zig Ziglar used to say, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Mm -hmm. And that really applies That's in these right narratives. Mm -hmm. So, and it could be, it could be in a personal relationship, you know, like um, if you're a single woman and you're not getting dates, you know, if, if your phone's not ringing. Or on the other hand, if um, uh, you're a single guy and maybe you've been rejected a few times. You could shape that narrative in a way that would be very debilitating so that you end up being stuck and getting more of what you don't want. It's that whole self-fulfilling prophecy it thing. And it all goes back to the narrative we tell ourselves. It is. And, and I, I think, again, to objectify it by writing it down, evaluating whether it's empowering, and then, and this is where we exercise the creative God-given power that we have, to actually write a different story. Because we can stay stuck in that story and accept it as though it were the absolute truth and it's not the absolute mm -mm. truth. I mean, how many times have you been in a situation where you thought you knew the exact reason why something happened, and then you found out more information later and realized you didn't have a clue? Um, Stephen Covey tells this great story in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I don't know if you remember the story, but it's near the beginning of the book, where he says there, there was this man who stepped onto a train with, I think he had two children, uh -huh who were very unruly, and they were just out of control. And there was this other passenger who was trying to read and was being very quiet, and he saw this man seemingly oblivious to the behavior of his children while his children are screaming and running around and... Looks like bad parenting. Yeah, bad parenting. <laughs> and so this man is making all these judgments and all this stuff because he created this narrative about this bad father. So the man who was being quiet finally snapped and said something to the father who immediately apologized and he said, I am so sorry. He said, um, I just lost my wife 48 hours ago, these, this children's mother, and um, they just don't know what to do, the, do with themselves. And mm -hmm. I'm beside myself, I'm just spaced out and I'm, I'm just, I'm really sorry. Well, I totally reframed everything <laughs> for the man who had criticized him because yes. he had a point of view, a perspective, mm -hmm. but it wasn't the truth. It wasn't the truth. Yeah, and, and he was I, missing out on so uh, much of reality because of what he was believing. Well, and we so often think that what the narrator says is the truth. Mm -hmm. um, there was a woman at church the other day that uh, Gail was talking to, and she had something bad happen. And so she said out loud, she says, well, this is the kind of thing that always happens to me. Oh, wow, yeah. Which it feels like that. It does. But when you say it and buy into it, it changes how you live. It, it does. And, and, and it creates an expectation where she kind of has a series of one bad thing uh -huh. happening after another. Mm -hmm. But it's, it doesn't have to be objective reality. Mm -hmm. And certainly bad things happen to people. I'm not sugarcoating that. But again, how we interpret that. I mean, you've gone through very hard thing over mm -hmm. the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And it's had to have been challenging for you. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt, because um, it does seem like one thing after another, where you just yeah. wait for the the next phone call, the next piece of bad news. And, and so I've had to be very intentional, uh, especially over the last few months, as I'm now healthier, to be aware of what kind of narrative I'm telling myself. And, and even what I say, and I have a husband who 
um, takes great pleasure in pointing out when my narrative is getting out of control. Out of alignment, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just letting me know that I'm buying into nonsense and I need to yeah. I need to fix it. I need to not believe in that story. Well, and we have to be particularly careful when we're tired or we're discouraged. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the things that happens to me, and Gail's extremely helpful in helping me with this, but if it's at the end of the day, and it's been a long day, like I can almost guarantee that tonight, because we've been videoing uh -huh. all day long, that I'll be tired mm -hmm. and I'll feel a little discouraged. And if I'm not careful, then I can interpret, I don't know what it would be, but I can interpret things negatively. Yes. And so um, she will say to me often at the end of the day, she'll say, are you discouraged or are you just tired? Because oftentimes the difference between the two is a good night's sleep. Yes. You know, I fall prey to that so often, uh, where I end up buying into the discouragement narrative rather than just saying, just go to bed, you'll feel better in the bed. morning. Because then you wake up with your resources recharged, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden that problem that seemed insurmountable last night because you were tired suddenly seems like you can handle it. Uh -huh. And because it feels like that, you do. Mm -hmm. So true. All right, so we have so far we've walked through four of the ways to change your narrative. What's the final one? The fifth and final one is just to start telling yourself that narrative. So literally to interrupt the narrator when he starts on his uh, lame little spiel. <laughs> oh, now we're calling it lame. I like it. <laughs> and we're uh, just spitting say, in the face no, of the narrator. <laughs> that is not the truth. Here's the truth. Like me as the 29-year-old vice president saying, uh -huh. no. I'm young, yes, but my youth is an asset uh -huh. because I have more energy than my peers. I have all kinds of innovative ideas because I'm coming uh, from out the outside. I'm not locked into this system. I have something to contribute. Mm -hmm. Or the situation uh, with this friend of mine who was unemployed. So when he's hearing this voice, I'm too old, nobody wants to hire me at this age. I'm overqualified because I have two advanced degrees, but to say, no, I'm choosing to tell myself the new story, which is my age is an asset. I've forgotten more than most of the people who walk into this interview know. I have the experience, I have the maturity, and my advanced degrees, I don't expect them to pay for both. They only have to pay for one. I'm gonna throw the other one in as a bonus. So, and the more we tell ourselves, discipline ourselves to tell ourselves these new narratives, the more it becomes part and parcel to who we are. And then it takes a lot less work uh, yeah. in the midst of the conflict to, to have to sort that out. That's such good advice. Okay, as we wrap up today, uh, I have one final question for you. And just to help us understand uh, the significance of this process, uh, remind us of the stakes. What is at stake for us if we don't take control of our narrative? Yeah, the stake is that you stay stuck in a bad story. Mm which is no fun right. at all. And, and how that feels is that suddenly you have no agency, mm. that you're a victim, that all the control has been removed, removed. from your life. Yep, and you're just responding to whatever happens. You're just like a, a bobber on the water, mm -hmm. you know, bobbing up and down with the waves. When the truth is that you have agency, you're not only the main character in your story, but you're actually writing your story. Mm -hmm. And you can edit the story anytime you want. And I think a marvelous book on this is Don Miller's book, A Million Miles in a Thousand oh, Years. Because the whole premise of that is that you can edit your life so that you can live a better story. And I heartily recommend that book. 
I do too. Great book. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, you can get all of the show notes as well as a full transcript at michaelhyatt.com. In addition, you can watch the video if you prefer to watch rather than just listen at his website as well. But do us a favor, please just take about 30 seconds and head over to iTunes where you can rate this podcast and let us know what you think. It helps us so much in um, helping us to get the word out about what we're doing here, helps our rankings on iTunes so other people can find it and have access to it. And again, it only takes a very short amount of time and we appreciate it so much. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, your story matters. It really matters a lot. And so taking control of that narrative and making sure that you're telling yourself empowering stories will make the difference mm -hmm. between you having the impact in the world you want to have and not being a victim or staying the victim and staying stuck and not accomplishing uh, what you really desire. Thank you, Michael. Well, and thank you for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you join us. And remember, your life, your one and only life is a gift. Now go make it count. <music>